Last week, I talked about cultural insensitivity to self, how we dog ourselves out based on the culture that we choose to embrace as part of our personal brand. But this week, I want to talk about cultural overload, because even though we are all the goodness and all the things, it, it does not need to be part of your brand. So when I talk about cultural goodness, when I talk about you being that potluck of everything, the heritage, the music, the family, the kinky, the funky, the whatever, you know what? It does not all need to be put into your personal brand. Now, I know people ask me, how do I be myself and I'm my brand? And they think that there's no cutoff switch between me being the ghetto country grandmother and me being Phyllis. But I promise you there is. And the way I create that boundary kind of comes with how I describe ghetto country grandmother, because I have to watch my limitations and my boundaries in order to make sure that I save something for myself. So we're going to get into this this week or yeah, this week, this week, we're covering this week. <laughs> we're going to get into it this week about, you know what, how are we going to do this thing without overloading our personal brand? Because it is a thing and it, damn notifications. And it's especially a thing when you're trying to call yourself a brand. Stay tuned. Hey, brand babies. This is Brand Moms Podcast, where we go in on personal branding without taking shit personally. Brand Moms House is hosted by none other than the ghetto country grandmother. She's here to share her experience, expertise, and education in a way that takes you from brand baby to brand leader. So come on in, Hold on to your bourbon, because Grandma's about to spill the tea. Hey, Brand Babies, it's your Ghetto Country Grandmother, and I want to talk to you today about cultural overload. Now, I'm very big on your culture, whatever that chosen culture is. I'm not talking about the physical. Y'all know we can move past that. I'm also talking about other parts of your culture that you can possibly bring to your business that make you stand 10 toes down in your shed. And by chosen culture, if I need to clarify, chosen culture is like taking a blend of a couple of things, not everything. You don't need all the hyphens, but just a couple of things that make you bold in what you do, that make you like stick out your whole chest. Y'all can't see me sticking out my whole chest. Some of y'all can't. But you know what? When you say shit, you say it with your whole chest. You do that thing. So having that chosen culture is where you have your power. But then when you try to add too much, then you have you, then you have cultural overload. And so people ask me, why do I lean on archetypes? And this is not going to be a segment about archetypes, but ar archetypes help you kind of hone in that culture that you want to bring to the table that lets you be your bold and best self to do the things that you do well. But understanding cultural overload as this, like I say, multi-hyphenated, and I think the new word is intersectionality of all the things that you are and, and, and you do and you be, it creates this, this, this crazy of, I don't know how many people I've seen saying, oh, I'm overwhelmed, I'm burned out and all the things. How many times have I said all the things? I'm gonna try not to say that anymore, but that's not the point. But it's, it's this whole imposter syndrome and different ways we describe how we feel when we're trying to do business, when we're trying to make our money. And it's, it's a detriment to try and be all the things. It's a disservice when we try to do all the things. Having a cultural overload, I can bring everything that I am to this thing. But then that means I have to bring the good, the bad, and the ugly. I have to peel back all the layers and the flaws. And you guys are not entitled to that. That is not what my brand is about. 
It's also not saying, oh, I got to bring my perfect self to this thing. No, that's a bunch of bullshit because hell, it just is. <laughs> but you know what? There has to be some things that I say for myself. Some things are that are just stri strictly mine. So whereas say um, a person, and I use music and art because it's very easy to picture those things. But in those industries, in those areas, your art may be very personal. And while you may be having a bit, you may have a business over here that has nothing to do with art. You don't want to share that with the, or with the world because it's your private piece. But then also you might flip the script and say, you know what? If I do this artistically, then you know what? I'm doing my boldest self. I'm bringing that, that bit of my culture to this thing. Now, there may be pieces of it that you keep to yourself. I'll keep the sculptures, but I'll give them the paintings. There's a blend and a mix of what makes you bold that you can bring to the table. I have a client right now, and he's my youngest grandbaby. But he is like, dude is like 20-something years old. I'm guessing, I'm guessing. He might be a little older, but I know he's younger than my ass, okay? But he's a very shy dude. And I believe I told you guys this before. So in order to do this thing with him, it's like, how do we make sure that this shy guy is bold as fuck in his personal brand? And we found something with that that's personally his, that he does not have to change or, or flip the script or cold switch or any of that stuff. And it doesn't provide cultural overload. He's a lyricist beyond, oh, he's just amazing. And I love poetry, so it speaks to me. But it's like, if we try to bring all of the things that he is and, and all and do all the things that he is within his personal brand, then you're creating this cultural overload. You're attempting to incorporate too many things that confuse you, confuse your audience, and just makes you all out crazy. So the thing that you have to remember, the thing that you have to, you know what, saying this is my thing, this is how I do what I do and I do it well, is to figure out what is this blend going to be so that I don't overload and overwhelm my audience or myself? Because you can give too much. And when you do that, you aren't saving anything for you. And one of the things that I'm very passionate about, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it passion, but something that I'm very serious about is that people getting to keep something. Because we live in a world where everything's put on front street. Like I said, I see people giving themselves over to an audience instead of a personal relationship. It's some fucked up shit out there, but that's not the point. <laughs> but even at that, you give all of, you tell everything and then you tell people not to judge you. Sweetie, that is not a thing. You can't stop nobody from judging shit and you cannot make everybody accept your shit. So trying to, to be all the things and do all the things is too many faces. Bad enough when you have two, but when you add on multiple, serious cultural overload, and that's not what you want to bring to a personal brand, because we're talking about strategic personal branding, not you are your brand, not telling stories all the fucking time, but it's, it's about being strategic in that thing and how you want to grow and scale. Because for me, it's about the growing and scaling. Now, a lot of people want to say, you know what? I don't want to be bothered with other folks. I don't want to be responsible for paychecks and all that other stuff. That's great. Long as you know that even at, when, when you make that decision, you're also making financial decisions with that. And that's not saying that hiring people is going to make you more money, 
but it changes the dynamic of how you make your money. And all of that gets to play into that. But that's going off topic because like I say, today we're talking about cultural overload. And I just wanted you to get an understanding of that, that you don't have to do all the things and be all the things. You don't have to have this, this hyphenated hash on your plate in order to make your shit pop. Promise you. So then what, then what is it about? What are we going to do? So how do we navigate all of this so that we don't create cultural overload? We have to find cultural elements that make it easy for us to stay where we are. And we're, oh my goodness, I, I know my head just goes crazy because we're not talking about stagnation. We're not talking about complacency, but we're talking about your reputation. And while you are able to mature and do all the things, your, rep, your reputation stands firm because it's built on something other than how you constantly feel, how you overreact or how you react to shit in general. There's cultural elements that help you create boundaries around this thing. And we, we don't have the cultural overload, again, because of the boundaries. Because boundaries are what makes you, you know what, this is how much I'm willing to give to any given relationship. And a brand is creating a relationship between you and an audience. If you don't understand what that relationship is like, if you don't make that relationship into the way that you want it, because you now have control. You don't have a lot of control in other relationships because you know it's a give and take and it's a compromise and all that other bullshit. Been married for 20 years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you have this thing, these cultural, uh, this cultural element or elements that help you create the boundaries of your personal brand. I think I told you guys one of the things that, that I know for me, I know I can be a petty bitch. Especially when you, when, oh my goodness, yes, I can be a petty bitch. But that is something I choose not to bring to my brand. I, I, you know who's petty and I love it? Wendy's. Oh, I'm not a big person. Uh, I'm not a big brand fan kind of person for examples. But oh, they can do some petty shit and I love it. Oh, yes. Pettiness is my own. <laughs> but in, <laughs> in my personal brand, it is not a thing. I'm an empathic bitch. Because part of part of who I am as a person, especially being an empathetic person, sweetie, I will I will go to the ends of the earth for you. I really will. And that is not something that I can do for free when I'm trying to run a business. And so when when I feel the need to help, or when I feel called to help, or when I'm crying with you, when I'm laughing with you, when I'm fighting with you, all of that is part of my empathy. But when I start to give more of me than you're giving to your own shit, then that's when I have to jump into bitch mode to save myself from giving my everything to you. And like I said, this is because this is business. Personal, my personal brand is about my business. It's not about my personal life. It's about how I make my money. And so being that, that the elements that I bring together and saying that, you know what, like even if, you, if you're looking at the video version of this, you see, I got my hats. My hats are part of my element. My bourbon is part of my element. My cigars are part of my element. Even though these are things that I do in my personal life, there's a whole lot of other shit that goes with this. You all see me playing spades and dominoes in my personal brand, but trust and believe I will smack some, oh yes, we can play some bones, seriously but that's a personal thing. That's not a cultural element that I bring to this. Um, I, when I talk about being, hate, um, being 
when I talk about being raised hood adjacent. My first boyfriend was a drug dealer. My first crush was a was a Main Street Mafia kind of dude. Okay. And if you've been in the streets of LA, you know what that is. And so this is what I grew up around. Also learning to fight, even as a girl. But again, not what I bring to my personal brand. These are all personal things. So you get to bring the elements that you want that make you bold. And being ghetto country helps me be my boldest self so I can help my clients to the best of my ability. So I bring the elements of that boldness. And you may not think that a hat is bold, but trust and believe. When I get ready to do something that, I, that Phyllis does not feel like doing, but ghetto country grandmother has to, I put on my hats, my hoops, and my glasses, and the bitch is ready to go. It puts me in a frame of mind that, you know what, this is not about Phyllis anymore. This is about me and my clients and my audience because I want to bring them something of value. And I do that from this position. And we can get into positioning and all that stuff, but again, that will take me down the road that, that's not, that we're not going today. But having certain elements that you bring to the table I may wear my hats outside of being the ghetto country grandmother, but it might be a different style of hat. I might smoke certain kind of cigars. If I was true to a label or something like that, that might be the only one I smoke within my personal brand because I might develop a relationship with a cigar brand that, you know what, if you're going to sponsor us, here, we're going to give you cigars. And that's all I'll smoke in my personal brand. If there was a bourbon, one to sponsor, that's the only bourbon I'm going to drink. But since I'm not true to none of them, <laughs> I get to drink what I want and I get to smoke what I want. Now, if I smoked anything else, I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke weed. So you will never see those things. But I have clients that do those things. And you know what? If they choose to bring that to their personal brand because this is how they do their thing, then it's all gravy. Because you have to find an audience that's willing to listen and resonate with that. You can't just do it because it's arbitrarily, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do what the fuck I want to do. This is my business. Yeah, you go ahead and do that and see how much money you make. Because you take on a level of arrogance instead of a, a healthy brand ego. And you guys, when I talk about brand ego, I'm talking about how you communicate. When I talk about brand ego, I'm talking about how you set up camp. And that is the middle portion of my framework, which is how you communicate with the audience to market your shit and position you in a certain way. C-A-M-P, that's how you set up your camp. And getting to that level, as far as your brand ego is concerned, means that you don't have to come from a place of arrogance. You don't have to get your feelings hurt when people say something about you, when your haters are on you. But like I say, because you have that chosen cultural identity that has boundaries, it's like, you know what? My sister used to get on me because I'm, I'm a big ass crybaby. Y'all may not, but I am such a big ass crybaby. My sister would see me when I would get angry because I'm one of those mad criers and there's hot tears. She would tell me, you bet not cry. You bet not let them see you cry. And it was like, okay, I had to suck it up. Is that one my big sister? She told me don't cry. I ain't crying. But there's all these different things. And I'm telling you personal things because I want you to realize how much of this is Phyllis versus how much of this is ghetto country grandmother. I've cried with clients because they've had brand breakthroughs or whatever. And if they crying, I'm crying because I, I feel it. But to just arbitrarily, you know what? I'm, a, I'm sad today and I'm crying. And, no, I'm, I'm not doing that shit in my brand. So you get to bring cultural elements to this thing that lets you stand in your place of power. And 
you talk about positioning, brand positioning, personal brand positioning, again, has to be from a place of power. Because don't nobody want to buy shit from somebody that's broke emotionally and all these other things. They may resonate with you in your brokenness, but they don't have the confidence to buy from you. And that gets in a whole nother dichotomy because there's levels to this shit. I ain't said that in a while, but there is. There's levels to this shit. And I believe in the boundaries of it all. I know the mistakes I made in my personal brand when I was in the restaurant industry. I understand how Mrs. Mistup overtook me and, and like, I was, oh, I, I can't even describe it. But I understand all the mistakes I made as Mrs. Mistup within my personal brand versus how I operate as a ghetto country grandmother now. So having that clarity of what elements I bring and how I bring it sets me up differently. And it also puts me in a place of, you know what, I see when people are going down certain roads with their personal brand, especially when they're claiming to be a brand. Sweetie, I see where you're going. And unless you you do something, trust and believe, you won't have to work hard for the money. That's some Donna Summer shit right there. I'm fucking old. Oh my God. <laughs> but I'm going to keep it pushing. I'm going to keep it pushing. <laughs> oh my goodness. In strategic personal branding, one of the ways I nurture my clients and getting to that authentic place and that genuine place comes through two-word branding. And two-word branding, like my, my two-word brand, for a long time was ghetto country. And then it became ghetto country grandmother, so it became my moniker. But it was that was part of my core, one of my core elements. It gave me the focus and clarity that I needed to move forward in my business. And I knew how to grow and scale once I did that. I kept trying to hold on to my old business name from when I was a business coach. And that shit, I should have known to let that go early on. But y'all know, sometimes we try to hold on to shit because we've already spent the money or we put in time. How many times have you put in all these years, months, weeks, whatever, hell, even dinner with somebody? And it's like, I feel like I'm invested now. Only to walk away and say, you know what? We feel like we wasted years. And it's easier. No, I won't even say it's easier. It's better to let shit go early if you know it's not working for you versus trying to hang on. Because if you try to hang on to cultural elements that don't fit where you're going, you're going to end up standing still. You're going to feel like you're stuck in cement. You're going to keep asking the questions that everybody asks. How do I get more leads? How do I increase sales? And I don't care what business or industry you're in, everybody who's an expert at something gets asked that question. Well, how do you get leads? Sweetie, how I get leads is not how you get leads because you're not me. Because we're talking about from a personal brand level, how your business gets leads, still not how you get leads. Because your personal brand and your business brand are two different entities. But you have a way of, of taking, like I say, using two-word branding to a level of, you know what? This is part of my cultural element. This is part of my chosen culture. Oh my goodness. I still can't tell you because I haven't trademarked this shit. So I can't tell you that one. But one of my, my other clients, him, his two-word brand is Candid Craftsman. This means if you know what Candid means, dude gets to bring out all his New York attitude. He gets to lay it on the table and say, you know what? This is how I do. But it's that New York vibe that, that adds strength 
Is that the word I'm looking for? It's true to him. Because he told me about someone else he was working with. And he's like, she's straight up you know, New York. She's straight up New York. Now, not being a New Yorker, I don't know what that means, but I get a sense of what that means. But him being that candid craftsman means I can be candid about how I'm going to do this work with you. How I'm going to be that craftsman because I'm good at what I do. Dude's been rocking his shit for 35 years. He has all this knowledge and experience. We talked about how many fucking miles have you walked and spray fans have you spray painted in order to do all of this landscape that you do. You know what? Let me be fucking candid when I tell you. So he gets to bring that to his game. And it lets him stand 10 toes down and like, can't nobody do this shit like me. While everybody else is out here being digital, let me see you walk my walk. They cannot. Because he brings a personal touch to his shit. And that's one of the things we talk about being in his personal brand. He's a trusted person to do half million dollar jobs. And that's what we talk about in his personal brand. So when you, when you get to that point of how can I be the candid craftsman? So these people trust me to be candid with them. Because otherwise, you're going to pay me a half million to do the shit that you told me to do instead of the shit I needed to do. But if you trust me enough to let me do what I do well, then trust and believe you won't have to have somebody go back and fix my shit. It's a thing. So that's just based on two-word branding. There are all these other cultural elements. And like I said, it's not about overload. It's about alignment. If I didn't say it, I'm saying it now. But it is. It's about alignment with what you're bringing to the game. What lets you create those boundaries for how it is that you do what you do and you do it well? And if you're new to a business that you have no expertise in, this is going to take you a lot longer. And if you don't find your joy in that thing that you don't know how to do well, then you're going to give it up. It's like, this shit is too hard. This is not worth my time. I wasted my money. The best way to step into this, especially if you're going to have a personal brand, personal brands fit best with shit that you know that you do well. If you know how to draw, fine. If you're learning how to draw and you're not a natural artist, sweetie, don't personal brand that shit. And this is just my own opinion. You can do what the fuck you want to, but this is my opinion. The best personal brands are backed by expertise, skill, and lived experience. Because you have all of this stuff. You've been doing this. You've been rocking this for a minute. And it comes so easy to you. And people have a hard time charging for what comes easy. Sweetie, that's when you should charge the most. Because somebody else is struggling to do it. I pay you $100 to do it for me. What, strike a match? Oh, yeah, I can do that for you all day long. But you don't want to charge anybody for striking that match because it's easy. But it's not easy for everybody. And that's what you have to remember. So I'm getting off topic. We, <laughs> we're talking about cultural overload. You overload when you try and learn all these different things that aren't relevant to how you're trying to build your business. If you are a business of one or a business of many, staying in your lane is not about not pushing the boundaries. Staying in your lane is about this is what I'm good at. So let me hire somebody. Let me charge enough. Let me be clear. Let me charge enough to hire somebody to do this other thing. Because the way my culture is set up, I'm staying over here. I'm going to talk shit from right here. And I can talk all the shit I want to because it's true. It's not arrogant. It's fact, baby. It's straight up fact. 
So these cultural elements are what brings that trueness to this thing. It helps you be, to believe in yourself, to have that confidence and that courage. Because I'm a big fan of courage. I am. Oh, I'm a big Freddy cat too. Y'all don't know that. But I also believe in doing it afraid. I can be scared of some shit. Now I'm never going to step out of a perfectly good airplane. But there's some shit I'm going to do. I'm never going to eat some bug. <laughs> but there's other shit that I'm going to do. Because you know what? There's just some things, especially in business, if, you, if you're taking calculated risk, that you got to do it afraid. You know, y'all, everybody has their own acronyms for fear, false evidence, appearing real, and all that other kind of shit. But cultural elements that are true to you, that keep you bold, baby, is going to make you work your shit. It's going to make you do what you do. Like what? Pop your collar? Yes. <laughs> Come on now. So that, that I want to leave that with you. How we go take this quick break and y'all go listen to my child. She got some shit to say. Hey, you. Yeah, you. The one trying to find the perfect balance in life. Even at 15, I know that's bullshit. My mom wrote this awesome book called Balance is Bullshit. It's all about making your own decisions. It's time to stop chasing balance. Make a choice that's right for you right now. Life isn't meant to be perfectly balanced. It's meant to be lived with all of its ups, downs, sideways, and every single lesson it's got. So if you're dealing with tough decisions, this is the book for you. It'll get you in the right frame of mind to tackle anything that comes your way. Listen, you got to embrace the scary shit. Don't let fear cloud your judgment. Trust yourself because you have got what it takes. Say yes to what matters. Don't be afraid to say no to the rest. Do yourself a favor. Check out Balance is Bullshit by my mom, Phyllis Williams Trotter. It's relatable, honest, and it'll make you think, trust me, I would know. My mom is raising me to make my own decisions. And this book is like a high five from her to you. Make your own decisions and live life on your own terms. Because balance, well, that's just a bunch of bullshit. Thank you so much for listening. Now go grab that book, dude. This next thing I want to talk to you about, I'm calling cultural cohesion. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. But cultural cohesion. Cultural cohesion means that there's all these different parts that make a whole. So when you're talking about cultural relevance and alignment and so forth, they should make a whole last personal brand. It does not require everything, but there does need to be cohesion with it. And when we talk about cohesiveness, it's not really a word that, that in my world that I know people even use that often because we don't know how to be cohesive. We don't know how to be whole all the time. So if you can't be whole all the time in your life, why are you trying to do it in your brand? There, we're back to the confusing part. But if we find a way to be whole within our personal brand, we have all these different elemental pieces that we bring to it, especially the core element pieces. Like I say, my core is ghetto country. When we find these core pieces that create this cohesive whole, then we talk better, our message is clearer, our positioning is clearer, our voice is clearer, and we're speaking at the top of our voice. We ain't whispering shit. We get to talk loudly and bold, boldly because we're a whole ass personal brand. And I just said we're a brand. No, we're not. Y'all know what I meant. <laughs> we're not a brand, but we have a whole personal brand. It comes with these boundaries. And I want you to understand that personal brand, 
again, it's something that you get to put on and take off. Don't take it with you everywhere you go. That was one of the problems I had in my previous personal brand of being Mrs. Mister. She went with me, I promise you, everywhere. It's like when, when you see those commercials, when people dragging around, they, they're what, they, whatever they got going on, irritable syndrome and, and all these other things. And you're dragging all of this with you. And it should not be. So creating this cohesive whole means that, you know what? Over here, these are the pieces that fit together and it makes a whole thing. I don't need to add anything else to it. I get to keep everything else for me, those who love me, those who want to date me, those who want to sleep with me. That's what all those other pieces are for. But the, the, the cohesiveness does not mean that you don't get to grow and mature. It does not mean you don't get to level up. Because as a brand leader, and that's what you're becoming as you do all of this, as a, as a person that's leading a brand, you're growing and maturing because there's what, I don't know if it's the church saying or whatever, but new level, new devil. Sweetie, every time you level up, you got to fight something new. You got to get out of your comfort zone. Once you stop doing that, then trust and believe your business is going to stop growing as well. As long as you stay comfortable and complacent, that's when your business begins to die a slow death. So if you don't know how your exit is going to be, it becomes a thing. But again, coming back to the cohesiveness of it all, how do you create that brand cohesiveness for yourself? It's different for everybody. So when you're out here and you're listening to all the experts and all the gurus and all the great voices that are out there, because there are a bunch of great ones, you start to get confused because you don't know how to fit it with yourself. And this is why personal branding is also better for people who are very self-aware. They know how much to take in and, and, and switch up for themselves. It's like, I heard you and I know how to make this work for me. You got to know how those things work. If you're, if you're a shy person and you want to do public speaking, sweetie, you can't do what everybody else tells you to do. Oh, just get up there and do it. That's some bullshit. It's telling me to just get up there and do it. Don't make it happen. But if I find a way that I know how to get up there and do it, then it makes a difference. One of my sweethearts, um, Matthew. Matthew um, is blind in one eye and has a hearing, uh, uh, I think he has hearing loss in his other, in one of his ears. And I think they're opposite or something like that. But he does public speaking. Now he has no problem with public speaking. But one of the things I suggested to him is that because he talks about diversity and, and inclusion as far as his, I hate calling these, calling them disabilities, but you know what? I'm going to use the word that's given to me that's in the top of my head, but his disability. But it's like, okay, how don't, why don't we call you the neurophotog? And neurophotog is short for neurodiverse photographer and how he talks about that. And I talked about him having his camera as he's doing his speaking things and he's capturing images. And it's like how you point out that this, this camera only caught this much of the image and how that relates to my neurodiversity and it being ignored. You guys aren't seeing the whole picture. You're only seeing the part of the picture that you wanna see or only the parts that are being shown to you. So you're not as inclusive as you think because you don't have the whole picture, especially when it comes to neurodiversity. Those are part of his cultural elements. New client I just signed a couple of weeks ago. 
he's dyslexic and he's colorblind. So you know what? We about to have a fight. There's something about how am I going to do this thing being a colorblind graphic designer? Come on, y'all. How are we going to make this pop for you? Y'all, I already got it and we're already discussing it. But it's like there's all these different elements that are only true to you. And it creates, finding those blends and those elements, it makes it, oh, it makes it pop. It gives you the ability to create this cohesive personal brand, this whole last personal brand that is not you. Because giving your whole, giving your all to a personal brand, sweetie, that is tiring. No wonder you're suffering from burnout. No wonder you're feeling like you batshit crazy. Because you're trying to give people your all. They're not there for your all. They're there for their all. That's what they're there for. I tell, I tell my clients, you got to picture Janet Jackson, Janet Jackson singing, what have you done for me lately? That's what your clients are asking. I don't give a fuck what you're going through. I appreciate the vulnerability, but bitch, I need some results. Okay. So this whole ass personal brand over here, which supports and endorses the business brand over here is going to make sure that the work gets done. Because part of your, your, your job as a personal brand isn't to endorse the business brand because that's who does the work. The business does not you. I don't care if you are a business of one. Don't sit here and treat yourself like an employee. It's a whole nother conversation. But understanding the cohesiveness of what you're building as far as a personal brand is concerned and saving some things for yourself. Why not? Why not say, you know what, let me turn off the camera because this ain't none of your fucking business. How about saying, you know what, I'm on vacation right now. No, I'm not talking business. Speaking from experience, being Mrs. Mister, I was always on the hunt for an opportunity. Oh my God, yes. It wasn't, wasn't there, I was going to make it appear. I went out looking for it. I would be out with my family and I hear an opportunity. Baby, I'll be right back. That was how I hunted back in the day. And you wouldn't think that I would do that because I am not that person. I'm, I'm afraid of rejection. <laughs> it's a real thing. But as Mrs. Mister, oh, because I wasn't pushing myself. I was pushing my husband. I was his straight up pimp. I promise you. Spokesperson, here you go. You need a face to do that thing. Here you go. Yes. I was on the hunt for opportunities for him. Mrs. Mister wasn't trying to get in front of nothing. But my, 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 but my personal brand had went from whole to overload. Because Mrs. Mista was around more than Phyllis was around. For my husband, for my daughter, for my mom, for my sister. They got Mrs. M I, I couldn't even enjoy a holiday without bringing my laptop. I was that bad. And when you're starting a business, if you start off that way, trust and believe it is a hard thing to let go. So having that cohesiveness of the understanding, like, you know what? Mrs. Uh, Ghetto Country Grandmother, at this uh, at this time, she's done. There is no more, you know what, looking for an opportunity after this this time on the clock. We all talk about we want more time to self. 
But then when you have time to yourself, you turn around and turn it into content. It's not time for you. I'm about to take a vacation with my cousin and it's going to be an amazing vacation because I'm going on a Ritz Carlton cruise. No, ain't none of y'all business. How, why, whatever. Because I don't plan to share it with you all. Now, if I get some great selfies that just happen to be good for something, that those will be intentional. But to, to share my whole vacation, ain't nobody's business. I'll share them with my husband, my child. I might share them on my Facebook because that's the only personal account Phyllis has. My cousin says she had a dream. And this shows you how bad I am. My cousin said she had a dream that I would end up missing the boat because I was on a call with a client and wouldn't get off. <laughs> because I used to be that bad. So I get it. I want to get to my last point. And this is about storytelling because everybody wants to be a storyteller. Now you want to tell all the stories. I want to tell you to tell the right stories. Stories that are actually relevant to your business that you can somehow make them fit. I was talking to my husband the other day and we were talking about his brand as a hospitable box. And so one of the things that he's challenged with is marketing. Now, I can only tell him so much before he starts to get this glazed over look. So I got to get in when I can. And telling him about being the hospitable box and the stories he tells, it's like one of the things I can do, I know how to connect the dots of life, brand, and business. I've gotten very skilled at it. And so I said, tell me a story. And so he told me a story and I tied it to his brand. And you know, it's somebody who does audio branding. I said, tell me another story. Find a way to tie that to the brand. I'm like, I can do this all fucking day because that's how my mind works. But everybody's mind doesn't work that way. So finding a way to tell the right stories and align them with what it is that that, that story goes with within your business, it's a thing. Don't just tell random stories to be put in your business in the street. If there's some relevance to, to how you got where you are, then that's a relevant story. And if it's not necessarily relevant, can you make it relevant? Okay, my daughter's outside playing with ants while she read a book and da-da-da. Okay, how am I going to tie it to my brand? So you tell the story of how your daughter's sitting here and you're gazing out the window and you're taking, taking, taking it all in. And we're going to say that your business is your business is coaching. You're a business coach. And you're telling the story of your daughter, the aunts, and the books. How are you going to tie this to coaching? How are you going to make it relevant? Are you saying, oh, my daughter's so cute. She's out here playing with the aunts and, and doing her book thing. Or can you make it relevant to how this is transformational coaching? How reading transforms your mind. And how you get to recommend books to your clients that help them have a different mindset, a mind shift or whatever as part, part of your coaching process. Reading is fundamental for kids, is detrimental to you as part of your business and your personal development. So being that, that transformational coach, I'm gonna need you to go get this book. And I'm not just talking about my book. You get to tie it to the story. Just based on you telling a cute story about your daughter reading a book while she watched the ants go by and do the thing. Make sure it's the right story. 
And if it's not the right story, then fucking make it right. Don't just be dropping bombs of, oh, I went and I did this. Oh, we had a beautiful night in our date. And oh, my husband did this. My husband does shit every day. Every day. It ain't got nothing to do with my business. I told y'all when he made me that bomb ass breakfast and I talk about folks showing all their food, I couldn't even show y'all the food because it was a boundary that I created. And because I choose not to be a hypocrite in my shit, I didn't show y'all the picture. I share my family very seldom. My daughter, you saw her talking about balances bullshit. She can't tell you a funny story about that just because it's on point. But when she was doing the recording, she asked that her father leave the house because she didn't want him to hear her curse. I've heard it. It don't bother me. As long as she's not doing it, like in this sense, she's not doing it. But I've read my daughter's text. I know she cusses with her friends. She doesn't cuss in this house. She don't cuss at me. I don't need to hear it to know that it's happening. But her father had never heard it. So she's like, Daddy, can you leave? It's a thing for her. She had boundaries. The voice you hear at the opening and closing, that's my husband, the voiceover artist. That's how you know my family. But as far as like every time we're together, going to the movies, playing cards on the porch, those are family moments. Those aren't business moments. And if you have social media platforms or social media accounts that are strictly personal, then bravo, I'm all for that. But when you start commingling your personal and your professional, I have a problem with that. I read something that um, I only caught a snippet because I refused to buy Apple News and all that kind of stuff. But the headline was about how Parents were showing their kids how they've grown up on social media. And kids are being devastated by this. It's like, why are you showing that I'm having a tantrum? Why are you putting our business in the street like this? My family didn't ask for that. I get mad at my husband because we can't even go out to dinner without him shoving a camera at my plate. But food is his thing. So you know what? Either I tolerate it or you know what? I'm not going. But the narration of the stories that you tell, like I said, it just has to be the right story. It has to be in alignment. It has to be part of that cohesiveness and that wholeness. Don't just go pulling stories out of your ass just because you're trying to create content. It needs to be relevant. It needs to be on point. It needs to make a point so that people start to engage and connect. I talked about you understanding cultural overload. You don't have to have all the hyphens and all the things. And this is especially prevalent on LinkedIn. Oh my God, I see y'all with the long dash, dash, dash. Oh, just tell me. You don't have to overload me because you're overloading your, yeah, it's a thing. But also be focused and clear about what it is that you're bringing to the personal brand. Create those boundaries because that boundary is like, I'm very clear of what I will and will not do where I will and will not go. I'm very clear on how I show up. So when somebody, someone says, well, I saw you, no, you didn't. And if you did, was it personal or was I doing business? Because if I was doing personal shit, I ain't got nothing to do with you. 
It's a thing. There's the cultural elements that you bring. I bring ghetto country, my mama and my daddy. That's it. My mama was country. Y'all ever heard the Donnie Marie? I'm a little bit country, I'm a little bit rock and roll. My daddy was never rock and roll, but he was hard. Seriously. That's the dude that taught me how to fight. He taught me to wrap up my knuckles. Those are my cultural elements. Okay? My visual cultural elements, my hat, my cigar, my bourbon. Those are cultural elements. Finding that cultural cohesion. Finding that thing that makes your personal brand whole. Not giving all of you, that does not make it whole. But the pieces that you put together that set the boundaries and the limitations of how you engage as a personal brand, that's the cohesive part. And finally, is finding the right story. What stories are relevant to what you're doing and how you help your clients? What stories say how you got from here to there that makes you a good fit for what you do for them? There are right stories and then there are just stories. If you can't make it relevant, you can't make it right. Because it's like, I came for the story. I will never spend money with you. And that's not what you want. So that's what I got for you. Next week, I'm going to be talking about, you know, a cultural erasure. And I'm going to go, I've only kind of touched on it in the last couple of episodes, but I'm going to try and do a justice next week. Okay? So that you fully understand that bringing certain cultures gives different voices to the, to the atmosphere. It makes everyone welcome. And while I don't welcome everybody, <laughs> I respect everybody. I keep telling y'all that. I don't have to be around you to respect you, sweetie. But neither should you erase your culture because I don't want to be around it. Don't, don't let somebody do that to you. So that's, like I said, that's next week. Until then, y'all know how I got to do. Five, bullshit happens, so suck it up. Four, your voice is important, so speak up. Three, you make the world a more beautiful place, so show up. Two, life is good, so buck up. And one, I love you and ain't a damn thing you can do about it, so shut the fuck up. Peace and hair grease, y'all. I'm out. All right, brand babies. We appreciate you stopping by because we know you got shit to do. Just remember to subscribe on your way out and bring a friend next time. In the meantime and in between time, stay connected with your brand mother on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The links are in the description. And your grandmother wants you to remember that personal branding is not just personal, it's also business.